to Objection to the Rule, your Sunday afternoon news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. And we are recording this episode on Wednesday, May 4th, and it will begin airing on Sunday, May 8th, 2022. So happy Mother's Day to all the women in the world, mother figures, um, and even the dog moms. Mm. <laughs> my, my name is Reese Robinson, and I'm on air to, today with my co-hosts, Emily Scott and Jasmine Smith. How's it going, ladies? Yo, it's going. And so we didn't even say what we're theming. You know, this 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 week's episode is a very important theme. And I didn't even realize until you said that, that it's airing starting on Mother's Day. Wow, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah me neither. Let's take it one by one. Jasmine, yeah. what's going on in New York, girl? Just trying to take it one day at a time. I get that. Emily, welcome back to this side of the pond thank again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm still here. Also hanging in there. Um, yeah, just one day at a time. We're living in very strange and they feel like unstable times. Um, so I'm feeling a lot of that energy, I think, this week and a lot of just um, trying not to trying to not. What is the word? Like trying to not lose my head over things I have no control over, you know? panic yeah panic or make myself sick over it yeah 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 it's really tough um I totally get that and I am doing okay myself feeling the same heat as all of you and um you know a few other things I'm actually at home in Cincinnati this week but um I did I you know I started this uh sky breath meditation workshop this week and I must say it has really been helping me to slow down and just breathe and not get so overwhelmed. So, you know, treat yourselves with much love and care in these times because it is very necessary. We'll be discussing on the show um, due to recent serious national news events. uh, We decided to make all of our stories this week about abortion access and rights um, so very specifically themed episode. Now that you know what's going on, this episode obviously has a lot of heavy themes. We are going to switch up our order just to kind of keep everything in context. Um, but I will let you know for our local news story, we will be talking about Letitia James's announcement of having a previous abortion and the New York protest that happened this week. National news, which we'll start with, is going to be, of course, about the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion. Our world news story, it'll be about the erosion of abortion rights around the world. And for good news, thank God for the good news, we'll be talking about the blue states that have created laws about protecting abortion rights in the U.S. So as I said before, we're going to kick it off with our national news story to set up today's episode. Jasmine, you're up. Um, Okay, so um, this is a write-up that was done um, on time.com. Uh, which I felt was a very clear and straightforward overview of the recently leaked Supreme Court draft opinion. Uh, And before I get into reading the full thing, just a little bit of background. Um, Maybe you've heard uh, the name of the case Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Uh, So this is just a quick little summary from Wikipedia. So four years ago in March of 2018, Mississippi passed the Gestational Age Act, um, and that banned any abortion operation after the first 15 weeks of pregnancy, with exceptions for medical emergencies or severe fetal abnormality, 
but did not include any exceptions for cases of rape or incest. Uh, within a day of that passing, the sole remaining abortion clinic in the state of Mississippi called Jackson Women's Health Organization sued the state challenging the constitutionality of the bill. Uh, so that is the pending uh, Supreme Court uh, case that is before the Supreme Court that's um, being referenced. Uh, so the title of this article is What to Know About the Leaked Roe v. Wade Supreme Court Draft Opinion, and it was written by Nick Popley on May 3rd, Tuesday. And um, I'm going to read this article mostly as it's written, but I have cut out some things just for the sake of time. So I would encourage you to read the full thing on your own, uh, just so you don't miss anything. Uh, according to a draft opinion obtained by Politico, the Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. The draft opinion, which was written by Justice Samuel Alito, was published by Politico Monday night. It provided the first glimpse into the much-anticipated Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which could become the most significant abortion case in a generation. In the 98-page draft decision, Alito repudiates the Supreme Court's previous rulings on abortion, including the 1973 case Roe v. Wade, uh, and just as an aside, that case established that there is a constitutional right to obtain an abortion without state interference within the first trimester of pregnancy. And also the subsequent 1992 case, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which upheld the constitutional right to an abortion established in Roe. According to Politico, Justices Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, who are all Republican appointed, had signed on to Alito's opinion. Liberal Justices Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan planned to dissent. Politico reported, and it's unclear how Chief Justice John Roberts planned to vote. Um, and this is what the draft opinion says, the constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision. It is time to heed the constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The opinion also states that the right to abortion is not protected by the 14 amendments due process clause which guarantees some rights not mentioned in the Constitution and is the backbone of several other major Supreme Court rulings, including the legalization of same-sex marriage in Obergefell v. Hodges, the right to birth control in Griswold v. Connecticut, and the criminalization of anti-sodomy laws in Lawrence v. Texas. Alito said these rights have to be rooted in the nation's history and tradition in order to be protected by the 14th Amendment. He continued to write, the inescapable conclusion is that a right to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions, citing that abortion had once been a crime in every state. Roe either ignored or misstated this history, and Casey declined to reconsider Roe's faulty historical analysis. It is therefore important to set the record straight. The draft opinion is almost three months old, and early drafts of Supreme Court opinions often change before the final decision is announced. When a draft opinion is circulated among the justices, they often weigh in and disagree with certain sections. 
Some legal experts and abortion rights activists believe the Supreme Court's final verdict could be similar to the one published by Politico, given that the court's conservative majority had previously signaled a willingness to dramatically curtail abortion rights based in their questioning during oral arguments in Dobbs. But the leak of the draft opinion may itself affect the final outcome. The Supreme Court is set to make a final ruling on the case before its term concludes at the end of June. Until then, abortion remains legal in every state. And this is me talking. I just want to emphasize that if you're listening to this, if you have an appointment or something coming up, this has not gone into effect. Abortion continues to remain legal in every state as of recording this. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, the legal status of abortion would be decided by individual states. Abortion would likely remain legal in about half of U.S. states, but legislatures in at least 22 states, mostly in the Midwest and South, would almost certainly move to ban or substantially restrict access to abortion. Some women in these states would have to cross state borders for the procedure, um, then the article says women, but I will you know, emphasize anyone that is able to get pregnant uh, who's seeking an abortion in these states would have to cross state borders for the procedure, while others may be able to access abortion pills, though some Republican-led states are attempting to crack down on access to this at-home alternative. According to the Center for Reproductive Rights, a global legal advocacy organization that tracks state abortion laws, the following states are likely to ban abortion if Roe is overturned. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Some abortion rights groups believe Florida, Iowa, Montana, and Wyoming could also be added to the list. Uh, And so-called trigger laws were designed to make abortion illegal in states as soon as the Supreme Court allowed it. So far, legislators in 13 states have passed these laws, which will take effect automatically or by swift state action if Roe is overturned. These states are Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. Um, So that's the general overview of um, the news that we that was leaked uh, this Monday evening. Um, and I'll just say it now. Um, the National Network of Abortion Funds has a website that had been previously down, but it is back up. The website is A-B-O-R-T-I-O-N-F-U-N-D-S dot O-R-G. So I would encourage you to take a look at ways that you can get involved and you can support people that are already affected by this, have been for a long time, and get in touch with people who are currently organizing to keep abortion access open to everyone who needs it. 
Well, thank you, Jasmine, <laughs> yep. for covering that and making it clear to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emily, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? Yeah. So um, it's been a whirlwind of 24, 40 hours, however long it's been since it got leaked. And um, I haven't actually read the the draft. I've seen enough commentary on social media and it's, you know, um, I, I knew enough based on the news reports. I felt, you know, I didn't need to read the fucking whatever bullshit ex- reasoning they gave and and you laying it out was just like oh great <laughs> it's even worse than i thought um and i saw i saw something on social media at like a, maybe the new yorker or something that was like you know uh, like uh, of course abortion wasn't mentioned in the constitution like women weren't in the constitution period like what a what a backwards way to 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 say oh this isn't an important part of american history so we're gonna nix it it's like women weren't an important part of american history like what the fuck are you talking about we had to fight for that i feel like we've been going backwards um for maybe like the past four or five years on a lot of things and i just really feel that we've done so much work um to just to be humans and have our choices honored our work um honored and sustained and this is just really making me have a different understanding about where we are um and I'm talking about women as a group of people in general you know in the face of humanity um it's disheartening to know that this shit is happening like under our noses like you know behind closed doors but I'm actually not surprised for once Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but it's it's still like, yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like I'm not either. Yeah. But it's just the fact that when you see those things right. in black and white, as much as it, you know, just like whenever there's another black person getting shot or something by the police, it's not new. It's been going on for hundreds of years. But to see it, mm-hmm. it still is like a gut punch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it's a terrible, terrible thing, and. You know, at the the fact that this has been like such a long reign. That's this has started since before any of us were born, mm-hmm. I believe. Like mm-hmm. with the Reagan administration, yeah, and the religious right, the evangelical right. Yep. You know, like converging to you know, and we've talked a lot on the show about like laws that are like anti-trans laws Mm -hmm. like homophobic laws you know these anti-crt critical race theory like all of that stuff is connected to trying to limit your right to your own bodily autonomy and to Mm -hmm. control groups that are labeled as undesirable Mm -hmm. so this is like a big thing that i think you know these attitudes, I feel like they can start, they start out with groups of people that the majority feels like it's okay to ostracize or to not really care about. But then little by little, the dragnet gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then more and more groups are ensnared in that as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these same people that feel like if you're trans and you're a child, like you shouldn't have access to the care that you need to be yourself. Those are the same people who feel like if you happen to have an ectopic pregnancy, you should just be allowed to die, Mm -hmm. you know, but if they start out with like canaries in the coal mine and people kind of shrug their shoulders until 
it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just really, mm-hmm. you know, it's been too long of this for this still to be going on. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. It makes me very angry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things too, where it's all whatever. Yeah. Like all of the, this, that, and the other reasoning that are ever given, like none of it is based in logic. None of it is based in, in actually caring for other people. Right. Like, like there's a lot, there's historians of like abortion that say like the rates of abortion don't really change over the course of history. What does change, whether it's legal or not, is how many women die from it. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's, so it's like it, these people aren't actually, whether they've convinced themselves that they'll actually be able to stop abortions or not, it's like, it doesn't, they don't care. They care about being able to control and say they have control over that choice. Um, and then on top of that, too, I've also seen this other thing circulating on social media that's really interesting where it's like, you know, whether or not you believe when life begins is really just like a red herring. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you as, as Americans, as in the United States, we have total autonomy over our bodies in the sense that like we can't if we want to donating organs right no one can take an organ from us legally without us explicitly signing off even after we're dead right so i've been seeing this thing going around where it's like a corpse has more rights than a pregnant woman in that sense because if the if the dead person didn't sign off while they were alive that they want to donate their organs then it doesn't matter how many lives it'll save like no one can touch it um and i thought that was a very interesting perspective on the whole thing Absolutely. Um, Yeah, you said it perfectly. I think that's a good space to take a break. Um, So I did also choose music this week to honor our theme. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about the songs uh, before I play them. The first track is by an artist named Jeffrey Gaines. It's a little dated. It's from 1992. It's called Choices. It is a song in which Gaines expresses his view that the abortion decision should be left up to a woman. Check it out. We'll be right back. Teardrop forms in my eye And when I look into the face of a child The teardrop falls from my eye And if there weren't so many unwanted children in the world today Then maybe I could understand your view you can follow our social media accounts. We have an Instagram account and we also have a Facebook account. Our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com forward slash objection radio free BK. No spaces, no punctuation. Our Instagram account is at objection to the rule. Again, no spaces, no punctuation marks. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now we'll have Emily give us the local news story. All righty. So this story, I actually picked two short stories um, 
as important two important pieces for this week's uh, abortion abortion rights focused local news stories. Um, so the first comes from an AP News article published today, actually May fourth, uh, titled "NY Attorney General: I Chose to Have an Abortion Years Ago." Um, it's a short article again, so I'm going to read it in its entirety. Uh, quote. New York Attorney General Letitia James, who has long been outspoken about defending abortion rights, publicly disclosed Tuesday that she had an abortion herself almost two decades ago. Pregnant as a newly elected New York City Council member, uh, I chose to have an abortion, James told protesters who gathered in Manhattan to decry a U.S. Supreme Court draft opinion that would overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling that legalized the constitutional right to an abortion nationwide. James, a Democrat, said she makes no apologies for her decision. James, 63, won a city council race in 2003 to begin her political career, going on to serve as the city's elected ombudsman, um, called called the public advocate, and then as attorney general since 2018. Last year, she briefly entered the 2022 race for governor before dropping out. She's now seeking re-election in November. James has proposed a New York fund to help provide abortions to to women who can't access the procedures in their own states, and she has filed or joined other attorneys general in filling and filing friend of the court briefs arguing against some abortion restrictions in other states. We will not go backwards, she told the protesters Tuesday. No judge of the Supreme Court can dictate to me or to you how to use your body. Um, and that is the end of that article. And I do want to note, um, Jasmine made a point. I think off air, Jasmine, that um, it's not only women, uh, ident- people who identify as women that need abortions. So, um, and, you know, everyone, this affects people across the board, this decision um, or this whatever leaked decision. And for the other article, um, I got information for the second for the second story from a May third New York Times article by Lola Fadulu, Taya Kiatenadze, and Sadef Ali Kuli, titled "Protesters Gather in Manhattan in Support of Roe." The article explains, "quote More than a thousand demonstrators gathered at Foley Square in Lower Manhattan on Tuesday evening to protest the possibility of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade." which has guaranteed the right to abortion for nearly half a century. Many wore green, a signature color for abortion rights campaigners, and brandished everything from neat pre-printed signs from Planned Parenthood to recycled cardboard covered in furious Sharpie messages. Uh, Quote, the gathering included others who had had abortions, like Marcy Kempner, 60, who said firmly that she wanted to see women's health codified in law. Having this at the whim of the Supreme Court and all the shenanigans that go on around, that is not a way to have a free and fair country, said Ms. Kempner. Derek Holmes, 26, said he attended the event because he had been in a situation where having an abortion saved me from becoming an ill-equipped father. I don't think many men see the importance of having this right, and it's more than just economics, said Mr. Holmes. I can never understand what it might be like to have an unwanted child. Uh, for some, including Teresa Swink, 82, Tuesday's protest was an old fight. It breaks my heart, said Miss Swink, who recalled a time when young women would go into the backwoods for abortions. I did not think I was going to have to do this again. The event also attracted people who were newer to advocating for abortion rights, including a dozen teenagers from Trinity, a private school on the Upper West Side. I'm disappointed this became a reality, said Juliet O'Shea, 17. 
Last year, we attended the Women's March. We were protecting our rights then. Today, we are fighting for them. Anna Wong, 15, brought the same sign she had taken to the Women's March, saying she, saying she had kept it to remember the experience, not to use it again. If the court follows through and overturns Roe, a number of states would ban abortion immediately or very quickly. But New York's legislature passed the Reproductive Health Act in 2019, which ensures the right to abortion in the state, even if Roe is overturned. Governor Kathy Hochul, New York's first female governor, said at a rally in Albany Tuesday evening that the fight for equality was in the state's DNA, dating back to the suffragist movement. A Statue of Liberty stands in our harbor, reaching out her hand to all those who are oppressed, said Ms. Hochul. If you live in a state where they are willing to strip away your rights, then you are also among the oppressed. She added, you come to New York. This is your safe harbor. Come to our state and we'll take care of you. The Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine said at the rally in Foley Square that New York needed to continue being a national leader on the issue. We need to make it clear that we welcome with open arms anyone from around the country, said Mr. Levine. It should be free here and we should facilitate transportation here for anyone who wants to pay for it. And that is the end of my second of two articles about the local news with relation to the recent uh, leaked abortion Roe v. Wade overturning bullshit from the Supreme Court. Um, one thing I think is pretty interesting from that was the the call to make abortion free, period, because I'm all about some free health care for everybody. So, And I think it's important to emphasize that that's what abortion is. It's a part of health care, p- mm-hmm. like point blank. Abortion is a part of complete like healthcare that people yeah. need it's it should not be treated like it's separate from that at all mm-hmm. exactly and and also it's important to note that you know the centers where abortion happens is that's not the only thing that happens there mm-hmm. you know a lot of times yep. they True. are centered pillars for the community they mm-hmm. are places where people can go and not be judged to ask questions to get more information and if a person chooses to not have an abortion the day of it, then they give them those choices as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, long and behold, the, you know, the system that makes it seems as though um, uh, centers or people um, uh, that help people get information on these services, you know, they're not just like evil people or people who are all Mm -mm. the way this way. They are doctors who have studied for many years and nurses who care about the well-being of women and young girls in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. And I almost feel like, you know, nine out of 10, like half of women in a certain space have at least visited or contemplated this thought. It's not foreign to anyone. Mm-mm. So for Letitia James to come out and say that boldly, I, I appreciate the fact that, mm-hmm. um, she's using her platform to express her truth. Um, it's important for people to do that so that people feel some level of solidarity with our government. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. And um, on that note, too, you're exactly right. Like places, you know, Planned Parenthood is often like the buzzword of like, ooh, defund Planned Parenthood, all the people who are anti-choice. Right. But they offer not only do they offer like, you know, all like comprehensive sexual health um, services, but they they offer ser- health services to men. They offer, you know, to anyone of any gender. They off- they do, I think, cancer screenings, you know, like this is like legit just plain health care. They also offer abortions like <laughs> It's not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I would also like to point out, I didn't mention it in the national segment, but a lot of these um, different rights that people um, that are currently at stake, 
they're all centered in some way around your right to privacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as I do, you know, I think Phoebe Bridges, who I'm not familiar with as a as a music artist, but um, I know she's famous. Like she recently um, told about her experience having an abortion um, in the past few months. Uh, I'm familiar with like Shout Your Abortion and people sharing stories. Some of them are very like gut wrenching and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, And as much as I can understand, like, there's a lot of power in sharing those stories and for people to not have stigma Mm -hmm. around it and understand they're not alone. I also think, you know, even if you don't have that story, if for whatever reason you do not want to be pregnant, Mm -hmm. that is your right. Mm -hmm. You know, and it doesn't matter what a piece of paper that a bunch of slave owning white men and rapists wrote hundreds of years ago say about it. No one should ever have the power to take that decision away from you, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to justify it by, you know, being in the worst position in your life and you just couldn't do it. Like it's your body, mm-hmm. you know, so bravo to her for sharing that. Cause I do think, you know, it's important that we not have shame, but you know, you have a right to privacy no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate that some people feel like they, with this or with sexual assault, I hate that some people have to feel like they have to divulge something like that when, you know, that shouldn't be put on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I don't, uh, people forget like a pregnancy is very dangerous like people did die yes. childbirth they die during pregnancy they die after pre- like after giving birth like and and that's that's never part of the conversation i feel like nope. like there's just this nope. assumption that like we live in this world where we've overcome all of those issues and we have not being pregnant is scary and if you don't want to be pregnant you should not in any sort like you're you're putting your life at risk right like you just are. And for anyone to say that you have to do that is ridiculous, is insane. It's, it's absolutely insane. It is. And those risks are not evenly distributed. No. Like the DCS recently um, published a report of like a week ago and the title was black people accounted for 90%. That's nine zero of pregnancy related deaths mm. in DC, not some other country, Wow. Not some other place in D.C., Washington, D.C. You know, like pregnancy, you're absolutely right. Pregnancy is deadly. You know, my mother said herself, you know, people forget pregnancy and giving birth. That's trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, as happy as you might be to have a baby on the other end, it's a traumatic experience. And these people, they don't care. And it's like that's the point is they want to punish people. Yep. And, you know, subjugate them. Punish people for having sex. Yep. Punish, punish women for having sex. Um, Because, again, none of these laws affect men, I guess, except in Texas, where if you help a woman, uh, a person who's pregnant, none of these laws affect people who can't get pregnant, um, really, or who would, you know, be offering the sperm to fertilize an egg. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely seen a lot of um, a lot of memes and a lot of stuff going around saying, you know, had this been about a man's right to choose, it would have been a drive-through. Mm-hmm. Like you could have got an abortion at a yeah. drive-through because at That's... the end of the day, they it, it's never stacked up and it's even worse now. Yeah. No, and it's it's and it's that it is that punishment for having sex thing, right? Because in 
I don't know the statistics, but I, I know that in a lot of the states where that are going to be the ones, you know, first on board to ban abortion, they also do not offer like they're also a lot of those people are against, or a lot of the people in the government are against like comprehensive sex, sex education in schools, um, you know, all those things that would like help prevent someone from getting pregnant um, in the first place or like our access to birth control. Like, right. Like, okay, you don't want an abortion. So I, I want birth control. And they're like, no, you no, can't have that. Have okay. Right. So you, or even I, education. Right. So it's like, around it. yeah. right. they're trying to punish people for having sex, which is insane. <laughs> there's that. And there's also um, like when me and uh, Reese were talking about student loan debt, like we mm-hmm. discussed how when you have people that are in debt, that's a very easy populace to control and manipulate. Mm-hmm. When you have people in a situation where like they can be compelled to become parents when they do not want to be or are not able to provide for their children and you take support away from them, that sets the stage to have like a population of people that are impoverished, disempowered, Mm -hmm. easy to control or to lock up. And, you know, some people think of modern day, like incarceration as like slavery by another name, like the way people get snatched up or like laws can be changed and you can be compelled to basically work for free while you're in prison. You know, like it, it is like a, I do think that there is like a lot of misogyny, a lot of deep seated hatred for groups that are seen as like becoming too powerful, whether, you know, it's women, queer people, black people, immigrants, et cetera. But I also think like just as far as sheer like demographics and numbers, like they want to have capitalism can't exist if you don't have a large number of poor people or people that are desperate you know, the more empowered people are and the more they have control over their own life, the harder it is to keep them under your thumb. And, you know, it's just, it's a damn shame that, you know, there's so many other places in the world that are making strides with abortion rights. And it's so great to see that happening. Um, But in the handful of places where it's going backwards, you just, you just shudder to think of like what else they have planned. Be mindful and keep watching, guys, because um, the shift is happening all over the world. We're going to go ahead and take our next music break before hopping into the world news and a little bit of good news. Um, the next track is a French hip-hop song. It is called Arielle, and it is by an artist named Colonel Reyes. Um It's about a 16-year-old who decides to continue her pregnancy despite her parents and friends advising her to have an abortion. I'm only giving you this because it's in French. Uh, Colonel stated about this song um, in an interview, what I'm trying to evoke in the story is that it remains above all a personal choice. Um, We'll be right back. Aurélie que 16 ans et elle attend un enfant Ses amis et ses parents lui conseillent l'avortement Elle n'est pas d'accord, elle voit les choses autrement Elle dit qu'elle se sent prête pour qu'on l'appelle maman Celui-ci c'est pour toute Julie C'est qui ont donné la vie En seconde dans un lycée de banlieue Sera avec un mec de son quartier depuis peu Il est comme elle aime, c'est-à-dire un peu plus vieux Il a l'air amoureux, ils ont tout pour être 
Elle a jamais fait, elle a tenté juste le bonga. Là, elle se dit bingo, ils sont seuls dans la twingo. Donc ça va swinger, elle enlève son tanga. Il réussit le ace comme tonga. Mais voilà, neuf mois plus tard, il n'assume pas et se sauve comme un bâtard. Elle a découvert qu'en fait, il est fait tard. Résultat, elle se retrouve seule dans cette histoire. Aurélie n'a que 16 ans et elle attend un enfant. Ses amis et ses parents lui conseillent l'avortement. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax-deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Our world news story comes from an article um, on TheGuardian.com. The title of the article is Erosion of Abortion Rights Gathered Pace Around the World as U.S. Signals New Era. And the author is Veronica Sturaniski. All right. In 2022, abortion remains one of the most controversial and bitterly contested ethical and political battlegrounds. It is illegal for women to terminate their pregnancies in any circumstances in 24 countries, with the further 37 restricting access in any case except when a mother's life is in danger. As a leaked document signals that the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to strike down the landmark 1973 ruling in the Roe v. Wade, Millions of American women facing, face losing their access to legal abortions, joining millions more living in those countries rejecting a woman's right to choose. According to data from the World Health Organization, unsafe abortions kill more than 47,000 people every year, with 5 million hospitalized for complications such as bleeding and infection. WHO data also shows the banning, that banning abortions has little to or no effect on abortion rates throughout the world. Latin America. Latin America has some of the world's most extreme anti-abortion laws. Abortion is illegal under any circumstances in El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Honduras. Since 1998, at least 140 women in El Salvador, where abortion is punishable with up to 35 years imprisonment, have been charged under anti-abortion laws. Many of them have suffered a miscarriage. In Brazil, under the far-right president of Jair, Jair Balas sorry, Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro, yeah. Bolsonaro, access to abortion only legal in the country on the grounds of rape, severe fetal defects, and women's health has been curtailed. In 2020, the country introduced new legislation that requires medical staff to inform the police of rape survivors seeking the procedure. However, Other countries on the continent have broadened access to legal abortions. In February, Colombia decriminalized abortion, and Chile signaled that wider access to abortions may be enshrined in its new constitution. In 2020, Argentina legalized abortion on request in the first 14 weeks of pregnancy. Uruguay passed similar legislation allowing abortions up to the 12th week of pregnancy in 2012. Africa. Africa has the highest death rate related to unsafe abortions, according to the Guttmacher Institute, with 92% of women of reproductive age in the region having restricted access to legal terminations. The Center for Reproductive Rights estimates that the deaths of up to 15,000 women a year could be preventing by proving access to safe abortions across the continent. 
in several countries, including Egypt, Dominican Republic, Democratic Republic of the Congo and Senegal, abortion is completely illegal. According to the Association of Senegalese Women Lawyers, 19% of female prisoners in Senegal in 2015 were incarcerated on the grounds of abortion or infanticide. However, the number of African countries that allow abortion on request is growing. In 2021, Benin became the seventh country in the continent to legalize the procedure in the first trimester. Europe. Nearly all European countries offer legal abortions, yet it remains completely illegal in three microstates, Andorra, Malta, and Vatican City. However, convictions in these countries remain rare. Poland is the only country where access to abortion is highly restricted. After a legislative ban was introduced in 2021, abortion can only be carried out when the pregnancy was caused by an illegal act, such as rape or incest, or when it threatens a woman's health. In reality, though, it is difficult to secure legal abortion on the grounds of rape, with fewer than five legal abortions a year carried out for this reason. Even when a woman's health is at risk, doctors have become reluctant to carry out abortion, leading to several deaths. In December, Poland also announced it is planning to introduce a centralized register of pregnancies that would oblige doctors to report all pregnancies and miscarriages to the government. Oh, In shit. Romania, right. That's like right. So the really government? Oh, anyway. In Romania, women are finding it increasingly difficult to access their legal right to abortion, with doctors refusing to provide the service. In 20, a 2019 survey found that only 25% of hospitals offered to carry out the procedure on request. Asia. According to WHO, more than half of all safe, all unsafe abortions occur in Asia. Most of them in South and Central Asia, abortion remains completely illegal in Laos and the Philippines. The Philippines ban is still based on colonial era laws introduced by the Spanish in 1870. An additional law passed in 1987 obliges the government to place equal weight on protecting the life of an unborn from conception as of the life of the mother. Reproductive services are also severely curtailed and emergency contraception, also known as the morning after pill, banned across the country. A woman who has an abortion in the Philippines risks up to six years in prison. While there is no collected data on how many are convicted on abortion-related offenses, reports of such cases in local media are not rare. So that concludes this article. Um, I just got chills. I got chills when I read it the first time, but the the way women are criminalized in the world is just so overwhelming for so many reasons and not so many reasons as well. Yeah, that was a very interesting comparison, Reese, because I think I often I don't know, like I think I think not generalizing how different parts of the world um looks at abortion in a legal sense and just and actually mm-hmm. looking at numbers and stats, I think, and comparing those, I think is very interesting and also very telling. This literally happens worldwide. There are places that um, really restrict pregnancies and abortion access. And there are places sometimes right next door that are very liberal about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess just like here. Yeah, you know, from one state to the next, it's like you gotta yeah. play fucking hopscotch. Where yeah. can you go? Where this is legal? Where this that person's gonna have a bounty on your head because mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 
And it's crazy. 19% of female prisoners in Senegal in 2015 were incarcerated on grounds of abortion or infanticide. I mean, these numbers are crazy. Um, and then punishable by 35 years in prison. I, I, I just. Oh, um, wow. It's a yeah. very easy way to. To subjugate like roughly half of the people in your population because we're all aware that one can become pregnant without having even had consensual sex. So, you know, being in these places, like you don't know what type of relationship a person might be in or who might, you know, assaulting someone is often like a weapon of like war and a way yeah. to like wage war on people like in, in on certain populations. So if you then criminalize the state of being pregnant on top of that, that's just trauma on top of trauma that can be inflicted on you just because of, you know, the organs that you have. It's yeah. Yeah. I think in certain places it's, it's scary to be a woman. You know, I mean, we talk about all of the dangers that we have here in America, but just like in all actuality, it's like growing your growing body literally subjugates you to being a criminal. Um, it's an overwhelming thought to raise women, children, or girls in other countries. I mean, it's it's something that I haven't considered um, probably before we talked about this, you know, motherhood in other countries. I do know I've spoken to some, um, you know, American women in other countries about the challenges they face in the healthcare system and how hard it is uh, to have a baby as an American in another country. But the thought of what they're subjugated to while raising that child or not raising that child is very scary. Yeah, I also, um, it's not um, a, it's not a story that happened abroad, but I wanted to uh, lift up the name of Lizelle Herrera. I'm not sure if you've heard of her, but she is a 26-year-old Texan who was charged with murder, um, and she miscarried. She was in the hospital, had a miscarriage, and allegedly, you know, disclosed something about, you know, how she came to miscarry to hospital staff who then called the police on her and she was being held on murder charges. So, you know, a miscarriage can look like a really heavy period, you know, so the fact that in this country and also in other places, you're being monitored and always thought of as like being pre-pregnant or in some state of like your purpose is to be an incubator. Like it's, it's really, really, really dystopian and horrifying and you don't even know you can't even trust like I think you mentioned Reese some of these doctors refusing to help people um you know even though they're supposed to do no harm like seeing people in distress and just deciding because of their own you know religious beliefs or whatever that they're just gonna let whatever happens happens like um like Savita Halapanavar, who was of Indian origin, but living in Ireland, you know, suddenly got ill and they refused to perform an abortion on her. And she died within days, you know, in a hospital, not in a back alley, you know, someplace yeah. where she was being beholden to religious beliefs that were not even hers. And she's no longer here. And how many people are in that situation? Yeah. I mean, we should never, ever, ever stop having this conversation um, because it's something that women from the beginning of time and forever in time uh, will be having to deal with. And thank you for lifting up those names. You know, I think it's important for us to remember um, 
as many people we can who are affected by judgment, cruelty even, and just other people's audacity to think that they can control somebody's humanity. Um, Yeah. I wish I could say we need to bring a stop to this shit, but we're all still trying it. We must not stop bringing awareness um, and whatever else we can do to uplift these conversations. Okay, let's take a breath. Emily, what is the good news? All righty. So uh, for this week's good news, I found an article from pewtrusts.org by Christine Vestal. Um, and it's titled, Blue States Enact New Laws to Create Abortion Havens. Um, so the article explains, quote, If the U.S. Supreme Court decides in June, as expected, that all states can limit abortions to the earliest stages of pregnancy or ban the procedure altogether, hundreds of thousands of Americans are likely to start traveling to states where abortion remains legal. In preparation, lawmakers in those states are considering bills that would remove hurdles such as waiting periods and parental notifications. And some are proposing to help low-income patients by paying for travel and other practical expenses that add to the true cost of abortion care. Abortion providers and rights advocates also are urging states to remove barriers both to telehealth and to medication abortion, expand Medicaid coverage of the procedure, ensure the privacy of patients, protect providers from potential lawsuits from other states, and invest in training and facilities for abortion providers. They want to ensure adequate capacity for what likely will be a surge of abortion refugees in some parts of the country. If lawmakers address barriers to abortion for people in need who are most impacted by strict state abortion laws, they'll address barriers for everyone no matter where they come from, said Andrea Miller, president of the National Institute for Reproductive Health, which assists and advises state policymakers. Nearly three-quarters of people receiving an abortion in the United States are living in poverty, according to 2014 data from abortion advocacy and research group the Guttmacher Institute. Uh, quote, if the Supreme Court weakens or jettisons its 1973 abortion rights ruling, 26 states are expected to ban or severely restrict the procedure, according to Guttmacher. Abortion rights are, pro- are considered protected for the long term in the District of Columbia and 15 states, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington, which enshrine the right to abortion in state law, according to Guttmacher. Two other states may soon join that list. The Colorado legislature this month passed a bill that, one signed by Democratic Governor Jared Polis, who supports the measure, would codify the right to abortion. And New Mexico, where an old abortion ban was repealed last year, is widely expected to be the next state to enshrine abortion rights in the state law. Uh, lawmakers in many of these states, uh, or quote, lawmakers in many of these states already have experienced an influx of pregnant people from outside their borders over the past five years, as a record record number of GOP-led states enacted ever stricter abortion bans. Many blue states are considering new measures that would accommodate even greater demand for abortion in a post-Roe environment. Backed by uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat who last year signed a bill protecting the privacy of people who receive abortions, lawmakers in the state have proposed a dozen abortion bills this session designed to address racial and economic inequities in abortion access and boost the state's capacity to serve both residents and visitors as quickly as possible. Legislation also is moving through state houses in more than a dozen other states that would make it easier for residents and people out of state to receive an abortion. 
In the past three years, since 2019, we've seen the most action to protect abortion rights and increase access that we've ever seen, said Elizabeth Nash, Principal Policy Associate at Guttmacher. What we're seeing is blue states reacting to an onslaught of conservative state abortion bans and a solidly anti-abortion Supreme Court. This is a direct reaction to all of that. Quote, last week, Newsom signed a bill that will require private insurers and the state's low-income Medicaid health plan to pay the full cost of abortion with no copays or deductibles. Beyond California, bills aimed at boosting access to abortion are under consideration in more than a dozen states, the largest number of proposals in any legislative period in history, Nash said. With roughly two two months left before most legislative sessions adjourn, lawmakers are pushing hard in an election year to pass abortion access legislation. In addition to California's insurance coverage bill, Colorado's abortion rights bill, and New Jersey abortion rights bill signed in January by Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, bills in three other states have been approved. Maryland's General Assembly this week passed an abortion protection bill, marking the first time in three decades the legislature approved a measure aimed at expanding abortion access statewide. Uh, Planned Parenthood and Metropolitan Washington, D.C. wrote in a news release. Quote, in March, Washington Democratic Governor Jay Inslee signed a bill prohibiting the state from taking legal action against people seeking an abortion and those who wish who assist them to ward off any attempts to enact a Texas-style abortion ban that calls on private citizens to sue anyone suspected of aiding an abortion. And the Oregon legislature approved $15 million in state funds to help abortion providers buy equipment and expand their workforce. The money also is slated to fund a hotline for patients seeking abortions in the state and to pay for travel and other expenses associated with an abortion. Both the Washington and Oregon measures come in response to anticipated demand from people in Idaho seeking abortions after the Republican legislature passed a Texas-style abortion ban in March, prohibiting the procedure after six weeks of pregnancy before many patients know they're pregnant. California and Connecticut are the only states considering bills that would protect resident abortion providers from lawsuits filed by, of, by officials in other states where abortion is legal is illegal. Um, that's a big gap that other states need to fill, David Cohen, a professor at Drexel University of Law, said in an interview. In a soon-to-be-published paper, he outlines the risks to abortion providers and the steps states can take to protect them. To protect patients, providers, and anyone who assists them, Cohen suggests, states should enact laws that block law enforcement agencies from cooperating with civil or criminal out-of-state investigations related to the legal provision of abortion in their states. He and his co-authors Greer Donnelly and Rachel Reboucher also suggest that states where abortion remains illegal can instruct their medical boards and in-state malpractice insurance companies to abstain from taking any adverse action against providers who give out-of-state patients abortions that are legal in the provider's state. Cohen pointed to a provision in a bill proposed this year in Missouri that would make it illegal for a Missouri resident to seek an abortion in another state. He said Missouri is not likely to be the last state to try to do that. Okay, so that was a lot. Um... I do want to highlight that that last bit is fucked up and pretty scary that and all that states rights bullshit is just bullshit because if one state is like are you like if someone goes to another state and does something why do you care in your state right it's all bullshit um it does they're just trying to control people period um but we're so often focused on all of the terrible takedowns and all the ways that people are trying to sneakily 
restrict access to abortion. I thought it was very cool to hear all of the very specific ways that states are doing a full 180 from that and going way out of the way to try and get people access to abortion care. Wow. That was a good story to end on. Thank you for that information. And um, New York is, um, well, at the moment, it's still a quote unquote blue state. Uh, There is one abortion fund in the state of New York. Uh, and the website is www.nyaaf.org. They help support people that may be traveling to the state and need assistance. Um, so if you're interested in finding out ways that you can connect and reach out, uh, please do so because it's really it's it's been an all hands on deck situation. A lot of people have been doing this work and anticipating this moment for years. And if you haven't already been involved, like now is the time to start doing something. Don't wait. Absolutely. And thank you, ladies, for contributing to this very important episode. And thank you to all of the listeners for tuning in. Uh, This is one we hope that you will share with your community and listen to if you need more information. Check out the stories we mentioned. Um, That's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. You can catch all of our older episodes on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org or on Radio Free Brooklyn app or on Spotify. Uh, look, Keep listening for more independent Brooklyn media. Our final track of the day is a classic by Annie DeFranco. It is called Amendment. Need I say anything else? Have a good Mother's Day and a good week. Bye, y'all. Bye. to present four amazing bands at an outstanding local venue for an evening of rock and music. Join us on Friday, May 20th at 7.30 for a night with 7th Grade Girl Fight, Dirt Bikes, Barrette, and Castle Black, and none other than Ridgewood's own Bar Frida, 801 Seneca Avenue. Tickets are $10 and can be purchased at the venue.